Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. On today's episode, we will be discussing Once Upon a Time, Season 1, Episode 22, A Land Without Magic. This episode is written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz and directed by Dean White. It premiered May 13th, 2012 and had a viewership of 9.66 million. A brief synopsis, Emma and Regina are forced to work together in order to save Henry's life. While flashbacks show Charming's mission to save Snow's wife after escaping from the evil queen. I have a little bit of trivia before we dive into it. The title of this episode was announced by Adam Horowitz via his Twitter account on March 20th, 2012. And there's also an audio commentary for this episode on the Blu-ray. And it featured co-creators and executive producers, Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz, as well as actor Jennifer Morrison. And we begin with the title card, which is a cloud of magic, possibly the curse cast by Regina, or possibly another one. And this title card is unique because it was the first title card not to be accompanied by the opening music. And there's also a cold open scene that takes place before the title card. Yeah, it's delayed. Oh, we do get that a bit more in later seasons. So mm-hmm. the delayed title card. So Yeah, it was just the first one here. So in the opening scene, in the Enchanted Forest, Prince Charming is trying to break out of his cell in the dungeon of the Evil Queen's Palace. A pair of guards arrive to his- escort him to his execution. However, he manages to escape while being moved with the help from another guard. This guard is revealed to be the Huntsman, who guides Prince Charming out of the castle and gives him his sword and some some supplies. And I wrote in my notes, yay, surprise, Jamie Doran. It is I, a nice surprise. Yeah, like, I had forgotten that he pops up here. Although uh, they did shoot this scene evidently before the Heart is a Lonely Hunter episode. So... It was like he he didn't actually come back. It was just this scene that they shot before he left the show. And I also wrote, so he finally learned how to properly wear the armor. That he did. Mm -hmm. And in the audio commentary, Adam and Edward said that this is the first time the show had a cold open, referring to this scene, and possibly the best surprise reveal, referring to the Huntsman reveal. Um, It's a pretty good reveal. Yeah, I also learned in the audio commentary that they recorded it after season one had aired, but before they started shooting season two, because Jennifer Morrison asks them some questions about what's going to happen. And they said, well, when we're done writing the script, you'll know. So Uh, I do have one thing to say is that the reason he helps charming is he says he gave up his heart to spare snow and don't let that sacrifice be in vain that's yeah you're right it's very true which i think is a very important statement for him yeah 
Yeah, you're right. But yeah, it was, it's a great little cameo to see him again. And it, the scene works perfectly, uh, having him be the one to rescue Charming yeah. and everything. So he's not only saved Snow, but now he's saved Charming. No wonder Emma's kiss woke him up and they had some sort of tie together. In Storybrooke, Sheriff Emma Swan rushes to the hospital with Henry Mills. Dr. Whale asks what happened, and Emma shows him the apple turnover that Henry has eaten. Emma believes that it was poison, but Dr. Whale dismisses this theory, saying Henry shows no visible signs of poisoning. Emma is distraught and demands an answer, but Dr. Whale doesn't have one for her. As Emma dumps open Henry's bag and sees his book, Dr. Whale says it's almost as if Henry has been struck by magic. Starting to believe, Emma picks up the book, and the book flashes red. She witnesses a montage of events which occurred when she was a baby in the Enchanted Forest. Mayor Regina Mills arrives, and Emma attacks her. She drags her into a storage closet, where she furiously accuses Gina of poisoning Henry. Distressed, Regina admits to the truth, and Emma is further shocked. Regina adds that magic in this world is unpredictable, and Emma questions what they should do. Regina says that they need help from the only other person who knows about magic. Emma alludes to Mr. Gold, and Regina responds that he is better known as Rumpelstiltskin. So my only like thought here is when Regina thinks that like oh mag- magic is unpredictable here, when she when she says that Emma was supposed to put Emma to sleep, and Emma goes, well, what's it going to do to Henry? And then that it's unpredictable here. What made her think it was actually going to put Emma to sleep as well and not kill Emma if magic is so unpredictable? I think she didn't care what happened to Emma. Yeah, Mm. but if it broke the curse, she'd still have a problem. So she didn't want Emma dead, is Mm. my point. Like, she wanted Emma asleep so that the curse wouldn't be broken because Emma would be neither dead nor alive. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So if magic is that unpredictable that we're thinking it would kill Henry, why would we assume it wouldn't have done the same thing that Emma? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. I have a few notes for this scene here. Uh, My first was, where's the security at the hospital? Emma dragged Regina into that closet. No one did anything about it. Behind the scenes during the filming of the brief fight between Emma and Regina, both Jennifer Morrison and Lana Priya suffered bruises from the way they slammed each other into the walls. In the audio commentary, Edward Kisses said, I think we all can say that we loved having you back in the red leather jacket. And Jennifer Morrison uh, said that infamous red jacket. The jacket. (laughs) Yes. They also revealed in the audio commentary that Jennifer Morrison helped David Anders, who plays Dr. Whale, with his performance while examining Henry. He was using his thumb to take Henry's pulse, but she, having played a doctor on house, knew that you can't use your thumb to take someone else's pulse because your own pulse beat goes through your thumb. And finally, in the audio commentary, uh, Jennifer Morrison said, Emma realizes that it wouldn't benefit her to hurt Regina because she's the only person who can help Henry right now. I mean, that is true, even if Regina kind of can't do anything because there's no magic. Right. So, back in the Enchanted Forest, the Evil Queen paces back and forth as the Huntsman enters. She questions why the Huntsman let Prince Charming escape, and the Huntsman says he will find him. 
At the queen's request, the magic mirror shows Prince Charming running through the forest, and the queen magically transports him to the infinite forest. While running, Charming meets Rumpelstiltskin, who informs him of where he is and that the forest is inescapable. However, he offers to help. Rumpelstiltskin enchants Prince Charming's mother's ring so that it'll glow bright as he gets closer to Snow White. Prince Charming refuses to make a deal and attempts to fight Rumpelstiltskin for the ring, but Rumpelstiltskin is able to heal himself and easily overpowers the prince. Rumpelstiltskin says he wants Prince Charming and Snow White to be together and that he will help him find her on one condition. So I have a few notes for this scene. First and foremost, Rumpelstiltskin shows up wearing the cloak that Prince Charming gave him in Heart of Darkness. I just, yeah, I, 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 yeah I love that. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, I have a question saying, is the infinite forest the same one the evil queen sent Hansel, Gretel, and their father to? Yes, it's the same overview, so I'm assuming yes. Hmm. How many uh, infinite forests can there be, Jason? Please. Well, it's one. infinite. It's infinite. <laughs> I, I don't know. Charming was able to cut Rumpelstiltskin's face with the sword. In later seasons, we see that he is completely immune to harm while he's the dark one. I just thought that was interesting. And then in the audio commentary, Edward Kisses said, I love the intensity of this episode and the parallel between you, referring to Emma Swan, and your father, referring to Prince Charming. Episode 21 was a parallel between Emma and Snow White, like who was going to eat the apple. And also in the audio commentary, Edward said, the fight scene was very intense. Robert and Josh really went at it. And that Josh, Josh Shallis, that is, was lucky to have hands afterwards, that he has pictures of what his hands looked like, and it looked like a truck ran over them. Because I guess like they had, they had hit each other's so, uh, swords off of their hands, like accidentally in the fight yeah. scene. But like, because they, they, I think they said they did about 20 takes of this fight scene. And like their hands just really got, especially Josh, Josh Dallas's hands really got messed up from the sword fight. That's wild. Yeah. Oh well, you God. know, it's the season finale. You're giving it all you can for it. Yeah. Well, you, you want to get it. You want the series to be renewed. That's, That's what right. this is right here. In Storybrooke, David meets Mary Margaret by her car and apologizes for not believing in her explaining that he doesn't understand why he doesn't make the right choices. David says he feels love for her and reveals that he is leaving Storybrooke to go to Boston, unless she can give him a reason not to. Mary Margaret, still hurt, cannot give him a reason and gets into her car. And I wrote down that the Snow Charming theme plays after Mary Margaret says that she cannot give him a reason to stay, but it, it's a sad version of it. I think what kills me is this, like, Catherine's got an apartment and already paid for it, essentially. Like, that's what I'm hearing out of this. Like, yeah. yeah the down he, payment already has an apartment, so he's going to go use it because she's not. And what is she doing exactly? Not going to law school, it seems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe she could take a uh, Mr. Gold's crash course on being a lawyer. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. In the Enchanted Forest, Rumpelstiltskin shows Prince Charming the bottle of true love potion created from Snow White and Prince Charming's hair. He admits that he loved someone once a long time ago, but that she died, which he alludes to being why he seemingly wants to protect true love. Rumpelstiltskin asks Prince Charming to hide it in the belly of the beast for a rainy day. 
and I wrote my note here. So now we're starting to see what Rumpel wanted the true love for. In Storybrooke, Regina and Emma visit Mr. Gold at his shop and they ask him for his help. He says that he has a bottle of true love that he smuggled from the enchanted forest. However, he warns them that retrieving it is the main problem and that it is Emma who must obtain the potion of true love. Mr. Gold asks Regina if their friend is still in the basement because he hid it in her. To equip her for the quest, Mr. Gold gives Emma her father's sword. So I have a lot of notes for this scene, but is there anything you'd like to say? No, you got it all covered. So okay. I'll, quit, I'll add my clips in as you're going. <laughs> all right. So Gold, when Emma enters the shop, and he, sa he says, do my eyes deceive me? Or is that the look of a believer? Like he already knows that she believes now. He knew it was coming. And I mean, your next note is about like, how does he already yeah. know about Henry? Probably because like Dr. Whale called him. Give me a break. So like. Could, it could be, but I, I was just like, how does he already know about Henry as well? <laughs> he knows everything. Yeah. Rumpel said that he placed a single drop of true love on the dark curse. And that's why Emma can break the curse. Gold saying that he saved it for a rainy day. And Emma saying, well, it's storming like a bitch. Where is it? I don't know why, like, they think he would actually, like, I get that right now. They're like, we're going to trust Gold. He's going to give us the potion. Like, mm. But why would he do that? Uh, why I would get... he save it for this moment <laughs> to give he, it to you? <laughs> he, yeah, I don't know. But again, they, they have no other options, so they got to go with it. That I like how Gold had the box with uh, Charming Sword on the counter all, all ready to go. Like he knew that Emma was going to show up and want the or need the sword and everything. Yes, I had that note. He yeah. was prepared for them to walk in. He was like, ah, the believer, I have the sword. Let's go. Like, Yeah. Regina called Mr. Gold an imp, an allusion to the original Rumpelstiltskin tale. There were some prop notes the case that Mr. Gold opens to reveal Prince Charming's sword to Emma and Regina was a, was a guitar case that the show's property master, Bill Bird, had owned. It was actually his idea to use the case as an in-show prop for storing, the, uh, for storing the sword. And in the audio commentary, Jennifer Morrison said, I try to stay focused on Emma. She is fully driven by what she wants at the moment. She wants to save Henry no matter what. So that is why she is ready to believe everything that Gold tells her. And receiving her father's sword was a huge moment for, uh, was a huge moment because she wanted to have something from her father her whole life. Before retrieving the potion, Emma visits Henry, who is now in a coma. Emma apologizes to him for not believing. As she goes, she leaves the book with him for when he wakes up and Regina walks in to say something. She cries and tells Henry she is sorry. Jefferson appears in the room, but Regina tells him now is not a good time. Regina says that the deal was not completed as Emma did not eat the apple. Jefferson objects, and spitefully, Regina says she knows Jefferson cannot kill her, and she leaves. Emma visits August, seeking help, but she discovers him in his bed, slowly turning back to wood. August is happy that Emma finally believes. Emma tells him that she cannot save everyone without his help, but he believes that she can save Henry. August's transformation back to wood completes as Emma looks on helplessly. So I have my first note here is 
uh, Emma saying, I can't do this, August. No normal person could. And August saying to her, luckily, you're not normal. I mean, he's right. Yeah. And then I have two notes from the audio commentary. The first one is Jennifer Morrison saying, in this episode, Emma is like Bambi at the beginning of the movie. It is like she has just been born and is trying to get her legs under her. And Edward Kisses said that he loves this scene because you, referring to Jennifer Morrison, go from looking like you can't do this to realizing that you have no other choice. Like she gives this look after August turns to wood. She has her head down and she's sad and then boom, she's ready to go. That's how Emma always is, like mm-hmm. through every season. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only thing I want to say is uh, in the book, Emma does call Mary Margaret a whole bunch. Like oh. you see it more on Mary Margaret's end. But so she does call Mary Margaret a whole bunch, which is why Mary Margaret ends up at the hospital later on, because Emma just frantically calls like Henry stuff happens, hospital, like nothing does she coherent. Call, so she calls her before she believes in all this. Like she doesn't call her up and be like, mom. I need no, help. she calls like before. Okay. Right, but it, like it comes up later in the chapter. So, but yeah. It, well, it that's interesting. Happen. Yeah. And that makes sense why Mary Margaret was there. So Regina and Emma meet outside the clock tower and enter the boarded up locked building. Inside Regina reveals an elevator hidden behind a wall and explains that she must operate it whilst Emma goes down. She also explains that she trapped a friend as punishment, but in a different form. Emma unsheathes the sword and goes down the elevator. So my first note here is Emma to Regina upon entering the clock tower. She asks, what is this place? And Regina says, would you like a tour or shall we just get to it? (laughs) Doesn't it say library on the door outside? Like, why are we even pretending what it is? Like, it's the library. Yeah. And I, I noticed, like, because in this episode, the elevator is hand-operated, like Re- Regina's bringing it up and bringing it down and everything for Emma. I don't think it continues to be hand-oper- uh, hand-operated in later seasons. I think it's just like a normal elevator later on. I feel like that's true, because I don't feel like I remember meeting this, like, two-person nonsense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in the audio commentary, Jennifer Morrison said, I love the parallels of parents and children in this episode. Emma and her child, Emma and her parents, Regina and her child, Jefferson and his daughter. And I thought, oh, that is, I never thought about Jefferson and his daughter uh, alongside the rest of them in this episode before. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Prince Charming confronts Maleficent in the Forbidden Fortress, demanding to know where the beast that guards the castle is. Maleficent quickly repels him away and magically extinguishes all the castle, all the candles in the room, leaving Prince Charming swinging his sword wildly in the dark. She then transforms into a dragon, and the two start to fight. And I just wrote down, Charming was able to sneak into Maleficent's castle, and right up next to her without her knowing. Oh, she and, knew. Give me a break. Yeah, probably. She let him get that close. That's and, a dangerous animal that's like, I dare you to get close to me. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. And it's time for Charming to face another dragon. It's not enough that he killed one. He's now got to fight Yay, another dragons. one. Yay, dragons! <laughs> yeah. In Brook, Emma descends down the elevator shaft and exits into a mining tunnel deep underground. 
where she passes by her mother's glass coffin. She backs up against a wall when a giant green eye appears. The wall turns out to be a dragon, and Emma backs away, briefly overwhelmed and frightened. And I wrote, yeah, the reveal of that dragon is scary as hell. It really is, especially for a woman who probably didn't think dragons existed until two seconds ago when it happened. Yeah. So in the script, the the scenes where Emma and her father fight the dragon, uh, Maleficent, were written as two separate scenes. The intercutting between the two fights was the editor's idea. And in the audio commentary, uh, Adam Horowitz said, in 22 episodes, this was the first time Jennifer Morrison was on a green screen. And she said, I was lucky because there were a lot of practical things on the, on the green screen. The coffin, the rocks, they were actual practical things that she could interact with. Also in the audio commentary, when looking at the dragon, Adam Horowitz said that Zoic Studios does the special effects for Once Upon a Time. And I have a list here of uh, other shows and movies that Zoic Studios does the special effects for. They include Sweet Tooth, Underground Railroad, For All Mankind, Superman and Lois, Mosquito Coast, WandaVision, The Right Stuff. And I'm just going to skip ahead to some of the more popular ones. Fargo, The Boys, Stargirl, Ozark, uh, The Good Place, Warrior, The Twilight Zone, Deadly Class, The Walking Dead, The Flash, Cloak and Dagger, Cobra Kai, The Orville, The X-Files, The Exorcist, True Detective, Homeland, Hemlock Grove, Breaking Bad, The 100, 24, Sleepy Hollow, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, Lucifer, CSI, CSI Miami, Criminal Minds, Constantine, Californication, Angel, Firefly, Mad Men, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, DC's Legends of Tomorrow, The Santa... Carlita Diet, Marvel's Iron Fist, Game of Thrones, Marvel's The Defenders, Arrow, A Series of Unfortunate Events, True Blood, V, Fringe, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Battlestar Galactica. Those are just some of the TV shows. I skipped over quite a few. They've also done films such as Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Avengers Age of Ultron, Big Eyes, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, Keeping Up with the Joneses, District 9, Zombieland, Spider-Man 2, The Day After Tomorrow, Van Helsing, Fast and Furious, Red, and Limitless. So basically, if you've ever seen a TV show, they've done the special effects for them at some point. Pretty much. Like all the big TV shows and then like literally so many more. Yeah, I skipped over quite a few. This scene's kind of, we're going to be cutting back and forth between the Enchanted Forest and Storybrooke, but uh, in the Enchanted Forest, Prince Charming looks for a way to get the dragon to eat the egg. Charming jumps onto the dragon's back and implants the dragon egg in her before jumping out a window into the lake far below. And it appeared to me that Charming shoved the egg in the dragon's gills, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was kind of like, gill-like thing. I don't think it really is gills, but you know, like a back i I guess i guess it makes sense because a dragon would need to have some way to breathe while having fire come out like it couldn't like it it makes sense that there would be something there and plus like in some pop culture dragons like can swim underwater and everything like that so it makes sense for it to have gills 
While in Storybrooke, Emma casts the sword aside and draws her gun, shooting the dragon with no effect. The dragon slips down into into a chasm, and Emma thinks that she is gone, but she reappears. We cut to Mary Margaret, and she is reading the storybook to Henry as he lies comatose in the hospital. She sadly explains to him why she gave him the book to help him understand that life doesn't always have a happy ending. Henry's heart rate starts to fall and doctors rush into the ward. A panicking Mary Margaret is escorted from the room. Amid the rush, a man revealed to be Jefferson walks into a secured door leading to a cell where Belle is confined. After drugging the nurse on duty and releasing Belle, he instructs her to find Mr. Gold and tell him about how Regina locked her up. So my, my first note here is how did Jefferson know about Belle? That was my question. Okay. How is it possible that he knew about her? Like, I don't, like, yeah, he was spying from his mansion. Was he also just wandering through town on occasion and just noticed that Regina goes there a lot and snuck in there at some point and deduced what was going on? Like, my guess. how does he know who Belle is? That that I don't have a problem with so much because I'm I'm guessing, like, for 28 years, he's been awake. Like, and he's been in his mansion. So my my guess is, uh, I don't know how he would know about Belle. I don't know. I was just thinking, like, maybe, maybe he knew that Regina had Belle locked away in the Enchanted Forest. Like, that she wasn't actually dead, like she told Rumple. Yeah. And in that 28 years that he's been awake, he just put to, like, he finally figured out where she has Belle locked away here. Possibly. But I mean, the question is, is how would he even know who Belle is, like, in relation to Rumpel? Like, yeah. That's not a, like, everybody knows who Belle is. Yeah, that he felt that Rump- that the beast Rumpelstiltskin fell in love with this girl and everything. Yeah, so I'm not quite sure why he would know that information, like, yeah. know that it would be important to Rumpel, that Rumpel would be mad at Regina enough to do Jefferson's dirty work for him, essentially. Yeah, because in the timeline of this... Like, even if people know that Belle went to work for Rumpelstiltskin, she was never seen again. Like, it's like, oh, he killed her or whatever. Because even yeah, for most of them, they have to assume that Belle yeah. just never came back. Yeah. Gaston shows up at Rumpelstiltskin's uh, castle to get Belle back, and he's never seen again. Like, it's like, you know, that I assume most people would just think that Rumpel killed her or whatever. But maybe. We never see this, but maybe Jefferson, when he was trapped in Wonderland, got close with the uh, Queen of Hearts, and she showed him what was going on in the Enchanted Forest. That could be it. That's all I can really, because otherwise his information makes no sense. Yeah. Like, he really had to spend disbelief that, like, he just knows things for yeah. no reason. Yeah. When Jefferson goes to release Belle, the door next to her reads S. Glass, referring to Sydney Glass. So he's locked up in there too. There is a continuity error. When Jefferson releases Belle from her cell, his neck scar from the side and back is missing. In the audio commentary, Jennifer Morrison said, I love that one sip of Jefferson's tea is enough to knock out the nurse. What is in that tea? And Edward Kisses said, I love that Jefferson knows that he is not a match for Regina, but Mr. Gold is. So he frees Belle to get Gold to turn against Regina. 
which yeah, is a smart Edward, move. but explain why he knows to give her to go. Yeah. Give me that explanation in your commentary. Yeah. It's not, unfortunately unavailable. Back in the Enchanted Forest, Prince Charming rejoins Rumpelstiltskin, who is waiting on shore and regains the ring from him. He declares that the ring will find Snow White. Rumpelstiltskin says that something is missing and magically transforms Prince, uh, the prince's outfit into a more regal attire. And I have a few notes here, Charming to Rumpel saying, why do you want us together? What do you get out of it? And Rumpel saying, I'm a fan of true love, dearie. And more importantly, what it creates. <laughs> yeah. And so Rumpel is responsible for the fantastic costume that Josh Dallas got to wear here. And in the audio commentary, Edward Kisses said, I love that Rumpel still has a flair for the dramatic touch. And Jennifer Morrison said, I love that he gave Charming that red jacket. And Edward said, and Bobby, referring to Robert Carlyle, said to me that he thought Charming is the man Rumpelstiltskin wants to be. He's handsome, brave, and people love him. And I was like, oh, that's oh, 100% yeah. what he wants. Yeah, but when he said that, I was like, oh, like that's so clever for uh, Robert Carlyle to come up with that like idea of Charming and Rumpel kind of having this sort of relationship that Charming is the man Rumpelstiltskin yes. wants to be. It is such a charming thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense too, given what Rumble should have been as we find out in season six. Agreed. Meanwhile, while all this is happening, underneath Storybrooke, Emma continues fighting the dragon to no avail. As the dragon rushes towards her, Emma takes the sword and hurls it at the dragon. Maleficent's dragon form is struck by the sword and destroyed, and amongst the ashy remains lies the egg. And here, Emma throwing the sword over her head at Maleficent is reminiscent of a scene of a scene in Pilot, where Prince Charming throws the sword in a similar fashion at the evil queen when she interrupts his wedding to Snow White. Furthermore, Emma shouting hey to the dragon before she attacks, just like her father did, was Jennifer Morrison's idea. In addition to that, Emma throwing the sword at Maleficent's heart to kill her mirrors the scene where Prince Philip kills the dragon in the same way in the Disney animated film Sleeping Beauty. And finally, in the audio commentary, Jennifer Morrison said, so is Maleficent dead because I love her? And Adam and Edward said, well, we'll just have to wait for season two and see. And this is where I learned. So the audio commentary was recorded after season one ended, but before season two began. In the Enchanted Forest, Prince Charming gallops on horseback through the forest down a path and comes across Snow White's glass coffin, surrounded by dwarves who are mourning her loss. They tell Charming that he is too late. He begs the dwarves to open the coffin, and they do. Charming gives Snow White one farewell kiss, and magically she awakens, and they are reunited. They reuse some old footage from Pilot and also shot some new footage here as well. Later, Prince Charming and Snow White are walking along a beach overlooking King George's castle. Snow White asks Charming how he found her, and he shows her the enchanted ring. Prince Charming proposes to Snow White, and she joyfully accepts. Snow mentions that Charming's father and her stepmother are still a problem. 
and Snow White suggests they take back the kingdom. When Charming asks how they will do it, she says that they will do it together. And I wrote down the line, Charming to Snow, will you marry me? And Snow White saying, what do you think? So she didn't actually accept. Not even a yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And in the audio commentary, Edward Kisses said, in pilot, we opened with Snow waking up and then cut to the wedding. But now we realize that there were months in between those events. And Adam Horowitz said, yeah, months filled with stories. And I said, yeah, we know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why they would think we thought that happened like instantaneously. Like, of course, there was time in between. Yeah, I, I more so uh, am from the perspective of, from having watched the series. We know that they like to go back and fill in a lot of what happened in between, sometimes unnecessarily. Um, yep. But stories we don't need. <laughs> yeah. In Storybrooke, David begins to drive out of Storybrooke forever. Emma is on her way when the elevator stops and Mr. Gold appears. He tells her that Regina meant to trap her and has sabotaged the elevator so she must throw the egg to him. He takes the egg from Emma and promises her that the boy will be fine. He departs, leaving Emma in the elevator. As she climbs out of the shaft, she discovers that Regina, tied to a chair and gagged. Regina is freed and declares that Mr. Gold tricked them into retrieving the egg for him. Suddenly, both women's cell phones begin to ring. Emma answers her and announces that it is the hospital. The two rush to the hospital, but are confronted with the news that Henry has died. Both women are visibly distraught as Emma enters the ICU. So I have a couple notes here. Uh, the way the doctors tell Emma that she is too late to save Henry is the same way the dwarves tell Charming he is too late to save Snow White right before he wakes her with a kiss. Yeah. And in the audio commentary, Edward Kisses said, I love seeing the scene of Josh getting in the truck to leave. It shows how powerful the curse is. He's all alone, leaving town, and looks at the clock tower. And he doesn't even know that his daughter is inside the clock tower fighting to break the curse. And Adam Horowitz said, Henry's death scene is one of the best scenes for me. We can just have the camera on you guys, and there is no dialogue, but we get the full story. Yeah, I do have one note here. There's a bit of a difference in the book, and I actually like the way the book does it more. So instead of Mr. Gold having tied up Regina, Regina actually just leaves to go check on Henry at the hospital, mm. which is what I thought happened originally. Like, you know, before we learned that it's Mr. Gold that ties her up, it's what you should think right away is that Regina ran to go check on Henry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a much better idea, in my opinion. And honestly, it makes so much more sense, like, because I'd much more believe that, like, Mr. Gold showed up to just check in and like, oh, well conveniently Regina's gone so I don't have to tie her up yeah exactly and two she doesn't know how long Emma's going to be down there for fighting Maleficent yeah so she would want to know and they're both Henry's... getting phone calls about Henry right yeah. they're yeah. both getting them so it makes sense that she ran off without Emma yeah. also I can't see Mr. Gold like showing up at her and Rumpel and like Regina and Rumpel getting into it and Mr. Gold's coming out on top that he has her tied. Like either Regina's going to be completely knocked out or the fight has already been taken outside. Like, but listen, or they're still fighting. I don't think fight, the fight's going to happen in like five seconds. And in Mr. Gold's defense, we've seen him beat up Mo French with that cane. So uh, 
if he, you know, got in there and just one good shot to Regina. Yeah, but Regina's very wary of him. And I don't, like, I think she would notice. Yeah. I guess is my point. Like, I don't Probably. think it'd be as easy as taking out Mo French. Yeah. <laughs> so back at a shop, Mr. Gold is opening up the egg and removes the bottle of true love. He hears someone enter and quickly hides the bottle. It is Belle's counterpart who, disheveled and seemingly confused, tells him that Regina locked her up. He is shocked, but clearly overjoyed that she is alive and promises her that he will protect her. Confused, she asks if she knows him, and he replies that she will. And I have in my notes here the look on Gold's face when he sees Belle. Like, true love, true love. (laughs) But it's just everything. Uh, These two always get to me. And in the audio commentary, Edward Kisses said, the way that Emily, uh, referring to Emily DeRaven, who plays Belle, played this scene is great. She played it broken, that the queen locked her away for 28 years and broke her. And I agree. Yeah. Back at the hospital, Regina looks at Henry's lifeless body and breaks down crying on Dr. Whale's shoulder, which Dr. Whale's got to be like, all right. (laughs) We know, what, we know what Dr. Wales always after. That's all he thinks about. He's like, oh, come, come here, Regina. On my big, strong shoulder, I'll be here for you. Wait, Graham's dead, right? Okay, yeah, come here, Regina. And David rejected <laughs> you? Okay, then I'm next. <laughs> like, um, I'm the next most important male in this town. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're repulsed by gold. David rejected you. Graham's dead. Here I am. <laughs> Emma, still shocked. I'm just thinking he's going to go volunteer at that animal shelter now. <laughs> Emma. Yeah, yeah, we got we to gotta get through this. Emma, still shocked, slowly approaches Henry's body, silently weeping, and says she loves him. She bends over and kisses him gently on the forehead. As her tears fall on Henry, a wave of magical light radiates out of them similar to what occurred with Snow when she was kissed by Prince Charming. Henry then wakes up, much to the amazement of those gathered. The wave of magic spreads throughout Storybrook, affecting Mary Margaret, Ruby, and her granny, Archie Hopper, and David, who stops his truck before hitting the city limits. Henry tells Emma that she has broken the curse, much to Regina's dismay. Everyone in the room looks at Regina, and Mother Superior advises Her Majesty to hide. Before she leaves, Regina tells Henry that she really does love him. David returns to Storybrooke, and he and Mary Margaret call out to each other on the street by their, two, by their true names of Snow and Charming. The two then kiss. So I have a few notes for this scene. Many fans were on set uh, for the filming of Snow White and Prince Charming's reunion, after the curse is broken. Since the director did not want the fans to be aware the curse was broken, Jennifer Goodwin and Josh Dallas decided to say words which rhyme with Snow and Charming so they could dub over them in ADR. At the San Francisco Comic-Con, Josh Dallas stated that he shouted Joe, while Jennifer Goodwin said, uh, said farming. So, I don't know how that hides it very well. No, not very well at all. But... My, I, ha- I also have here Mary Margaret to David, you found me, and David saying, did you ever doubt I would? Uh, and oh, they yeah. do always find each other. So cute. 
And in the audio commentary, Adam Kisses said, excuse me, Adam Horowitz said, I love this scene. It is the first time Emma tells Henry that she loves him and she kisses him. How did you, referring to Jennifer Morrison, prepare for this scene? And Jennifer Morrison said, I just cried for about eight hours that day. You and me both, Dan. <laughs> you yeah. and me both. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I do remember the first time watching this, I was like, just kiss him. Just kiss yeah. him. I think yeah. I was yelling for Regina do. I was like, somebody just kiss him. It's true love. Why are yeah. we not trying this? Obviously. Yeah. Like, um, it will work, I promise you. <laughs> uh, so meanwhile, while this is occurring, an upset Regina is crying in Henry's bedroom onto his pillow. Mr. Gold and Belle are walking into the forest where she abruptly tells him to wait using his true name, Rumpelstiltskin. She says she remembers everything and that she loves him. Mr. Gold replies that he loves her too, but there will be plenty of time for that. The two of them hug and they continue to walk. They arrive at a wishing well. Mr. Gold drops the bottle of true love down into the waters, which can return that which was once lost. A purple mist begins to spew forth from the well. It quickly spreads out into the town. Everyone in Storybrooke takes notice as the mist begins to come to Storybrooke. When asked by Emma, Henry refers to it as something bad. Mr. Gold explains to Belle's counterpart that the magic that magic is coming to Storybrooke. She questions why he would want that, and he replies, because magic is power. Regina looks out of Henry's window and smiles wickedly as she sees the purple mist approaching and spreading over Storybrooke. And the final scene zooms in on the town clock as it ticks for one final time, striking 8.15 before it is engulfed in the mist. So I have a few notes here. The smoke that pours out of the well and sweeps through Storybrook was originally going to be green to match the mist that consumed the enchanted forest and pilot. However, it was changed to purple to be more symbolic and magical. In the audio commentary, Jennifer Morrison said, this is Rumpel's biggest flaw. He thinks he can have it all. He can be the dark one and have Belle. And also, everyone keeps asking her what happened to August. And furthermore, in the audio commentary, when Regina smiles at the purple haze, Jennifer Morrison said, oh, I love that. And Edward Kisses said, yes, because all hope was lost for her but now she'll have her magic back. It's such a good end, though. I agree with people going, what happened to August? Mm -hmm. It seems like kind of a thing that we just kind of eh, ignored. Yeah. That August has been a very important character these last few episodes. Eh, what happened to August? That's, that's something that's going to happen with a lot of characters between seasons going on. Especially season one and season two, it's pretty much you get whiplash a bit mm -hmm. uh, i've already started watching some season two i know jason hasn't and i'm not going to get spoiler spoilery at all about it but it's, it's one of those where i'm like ah i remember why people get annoyed by this show sometimes <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah right off the bat in season two i'm like mm, yeah this is this is not what i want right now <laughs> well we'll cover that uh as it comes up but do you have anything else you'd like to mention or? Uh, no, I'm just, you know, okay. glad we're doing this. 
you know, sad that we're done with season one now, seeing as this is such a nostalgic season. But it it was, and you know, ten years and everything. It's a it's a big time to go back and watch it. But without anything else, I'd just like to say that's season one, folks. We'll be covering season two in a few weeks. But before diving right into that, we have something special planned. An amuse-bouche, if you will. They say that lemon sorbets are the best palate cleansers, but we were thinking something more along the lines of lemon cakes. And that concludes this week's episode of the Once Again Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to either our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at onceagainpod. If you are feeling generous and would like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. Also, a like and a share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.